Well, if you'll take a copy of God's Word and turn to uh, Luke chapter 1. If you don't have your own copy, we've provided some for you in your pews and in the seats in front of you. We'd love for, for everybody to have a copy of God's Word open as we look today, as we continue our series on Advent. Last week we looked at the announcement to Zechariah and Elizabeth of the coming of John that she would be expecting soon. And today we see a young woman, a young lady, probably 13, maybe 14-ish, told that she would soon have a child as well. We've gone from the very old to the very young. Um, And the old, the priest, Zechariah, would not believe. But Mary, the young, she would believe. Um, So we're looking this morning at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Hear now the word of the Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed, to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall indeed stand forever. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would make your word clear to us this morning. Help us, Lord, as we look at this text. Give us understanding, eyes to see and ears to hear. Grant anointing to the speaker and listener alike. We pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. The presence of peace is inextricably tied to who's in charge to who's in control, to who has authority. Think about it. Generally speaking, as goes a ruler, so goes the nation. If you look at the pages of history, you'll find periods, often brief, brief periods of history in our culture and those around the world. But when you do so, you usually will find a king who is strong or a ruler who is strong and is a good ruler. If the ruler is weak the ruler of his weak, then there is no peace. And if the ruler is a tyrant, there might be the illusion of peace, but no real peace. But you know, even when you look in those moments of peace, there's always something going on underneath. Because no human ruler has the power to change people's hearts. No human ruler has the power to change human nature. One of the most important things that happens at Christmas 
with the birth of the Messiah is the coming of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords into this world to bring true peace to His people. A peace that begins at our conversion and continues throughout all of eternity, made perfect when we go to be with Him and then when He comes back and makes all things new. A peace that has been secured and purchased because a little baby was born. This little baby was born with the express purpose of dying so that he might conquer all his and our enemies and that he might subdue us to himself. He did this so that we might know peace. Why do we need a king anyway? Why do we need a king anyway? As Americans, we don't like kings. We like to cut off their heads and we like to rebel against them. We don't like kings. Why do we need a king? Well, quite simply, it's because we have enemies. We need a king because we have enemies. And no human ruler, no human king, queen, president, or otherwise can bring true peace to this world or to our hearts. We have a deeper need that can only come from God. For true peace to occur, it's not just a cessation of hostilities. That must occur. Hostilities must cease. If we are at war, then we are not at peace. But there is much more than that. You cannot be at war and still not have peace. To have peace is also to have the positive aspect of a true blessedness in our culture, in our hearts, and in our relationships. Something that can only come from the Lord God Almighty. As we think about why we need a king, we can identify lots of reasons and lots of sources of enmity and animosity and of sources of enemies. And the first is just generally speaking, this world is broken. When Adam and Eve sinned against the Lord their God, they threw the whole world into rebellion against Him. And now everything that was pristine is now marred. Everything that was perfect is now broken. Everything that had been in a state of peace is now at war And at war with God and with each other. We see it early on in Genesis 4 with the first murder. We read of the fall in in Genesis 3. We read of murder in Genesis 4. We see it later in the Tower of Babel when the people on earth decided they were no longer going to lift up the Lord their God, but instead lift up themselves and try to be like Him. We see it with the enslavement of God's people. And then when they are freed, we see their on-again, off-again relationship with the Lord. Even when they've been rescued. They didn't have true peace. We see it everywhere today. The world seems to be at war with itself. Just turn on the news for five minutes. And even in the commercials, you'll get the understanding that the world is at war. Very little is at peace. From genocide to famine, from loneliness to barrenness, from fierce temptation to the holiday blues. My friends, we need peace. We need peace. We need someone who will come and bring us peace. We can't bring peace ourselves because we're the problem. God, we need someone to come from the outside and to bring us peace. We need the Prince of Peace, our Savior, to come. The Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, the Promised One, to come and to bring peace. Another source of reason why we need a king, another set of enemies, is the world, the flesh, and the devil. The reality is that there is a a spiritual warfare that is going around us, going on around us every day, every minute of every day. We need someone who will come and vanquish, vanquish our greatest enemies, including death, 
Satan is working hard. And his minions, his demons. Even in this service today, Matthew 13 says that Satan is working actively to snatch away from the hearts of unbelievers the preached word that they might not believe. We need peace. But the greatest need of peace, the greatest need of peace, the greatest need for a king is that we are not at peace with God on our own. When we read of the Prince of Peace coming in, first and foremost, he comes to bring peace between himself, the king, and his people. Apart from what Christ has done in our hearts, we're at war with God. Ephesians 2 says that apart from Christ, if if we're not believers, then we're following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience. This is Satan. Uh, Romans 5.10 tells us that we are enemies of God until our conversion. I'm a military buff. And you know, as, as we think about the state of our armed forces, the stealth bombers, F-117s, F-22s, F-35s, as we think about the stealth bomber, the the B-2, as we think about the hidden nuclear weapons underneath the polar ice caps that can hit anywhere in the world at any moment, as we think about the special forces we have, we think about the the ground forces and just the plain old infantrymen, the, the buck private. My friends, it is a terrible thing to be an enemy of the United States of America. How much more? be an enemy of the God of the universe who created the 300 sextillion stars and everything that is in it, the, the creator of the heavens and the earth and, and everything that is in the seas and, the, and, and in the heavens. This is not a place where we want to be. And there's nothing that we can do to fix it. And this is the good news of, of Christmas. That the king was coming. The king against whom we had sinned. The king against whom we were his enemies to take upon himself the curse that we deserve because we are his enemies, so that we might be his friends, so that we might be reconciled, that we might be called the children of God. The Father would send the Son and forsake him on the cross so that we who had forsaken the Lord might be brought near to him and live with him forever. This is the message of Christmas, the coming of the Prince of Peace. And so this King is announced. Is announced in our text to a young lady. You want to call her a girl. She's 13-ish. And she's betrothed to a man named Joseph. They're living in, in the backwater town of Nazareth. People would avoid this place. Nothing ever good came from Nazareth. If it was between here and there, you went around. And in the backwater of Nazareth was a little girl, 13, a young woman, And she was betrothed to Joseph who was in the line of David, which is so important because Jesus must come from the line of David. Married to Joseph, a man, you want to call him a boy too, right? And his teens as well. And all of a sudden, maybe she's in her kitchen, we don't know where she was. An angel, Gabriel, who we saw last week, appears and says, Greetings, O favored one. Greetings, O favored one. For you have, uh, let's see, um, greetings of favor one, the Lord is with you. Now let me ask you something. 
Here you are, young woman, betrothed, which means you're legally bound to Joseph. You're not married yet, but a divorce would be necessary if the relationship would be broken. You're a young woman, and you're minding your own business. You've saved yourself for marriage. You're a godly girl. Then all of a sudden, there's an angel in front of you. Now, it's been 400 years since God's people have heard from God until last week, six months before, when Gabriel appears to Zechariah. And who's the second person that an angel goes to? 13, 14-year-old little girl. It says, greetings, O favor, when the Lord is with you. I can't imagine that would register anything that was just said. Here you are, a young, scared little girl, and, and there's an angel standing in front of you. And the text tells us that she was trying to figure out what sort of greeting this might be. Okay, what's, what's going on here? Back up. You could see the, the surprise in her face and apparently the fear because Gabriel saw it, and he says, don't be, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary. He knows her name. You know, you know our favorite name in the world, right? It's our own. <laughs> don't be afraid, Mary. In fact, Mary, you have found favor with God. And coming soon through you, is going to be the king. You know, God has a way of doing things that only he gets credit for. We saw this last week with Zechariah and Elizabeth. Barren for years, no children, and the way of women had passed with Elizabeth. And yet God says, hey, you're going to, you're going to have a baby. And here to a young virgin, a woman, a godly woman who is yet to be married, hey Mary, you're going to have a child. We who have heard this story time and time again, this is old hat to us. And we have to work hard for the Christmas story to seem fresh to us again. But can you imagine the impact on Mary that this has? She's a godly young girl. She's waited. And then all of a sudden she's having a baby. Something that would bring her shame and dishonor in that culture. In fact, so much so that Joseph, we read in Matthew chapter 1, secretly plans to divorce her quietly. To save her. To save her her shame. But we forget the the miracle that is the virgin birth. But it shouldn't surprise us and it shouldn't surprise God's people. Of course, this is foretold all the way back in Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son and, and you shall call His name Emmanuel. God with us. All of a sudden, our, our, our ears should peer, peak up. Our, our minds should be jogged. Okay, a virgin is going to conceive. What's going on here? This is more than just a natural birth. This is the coming of God into the world. What kind of king is this going to be? This is the God-man Jesus. This is God with us, who is 100% man and 100% God. I know that's not good math and in the Bruton Elementary Schools, but it's God's math. 100% God, 100% man. He is coming and He is the King and He will bring peace to His people. And He will bring peace from God's side, the only place where peace can come from because we're the problem. God had to initiate, He had to come, and He had to bring peace to us. And how would He secure this peace? By dying for us. By what looks like defeat from the world's eyes. 
was our victory at the cross of Jesus. And when the grave was empty on the third day, and when He ascended in heaven on high, we knew that the Prince of Peace and His sacrifice had worked. Now our Prince of Peace is seated at the right hand of God. What kind of king would this be? Well, He came with a mission. He is God and He came with a mission. We see this in His naming. You shall call His name Jesus. Now I would imagine when you had children, you thought long and hard about what name you would give your children. Uh, I know we certainly did. And there are ties to our children's names, to family members, and things that we really thought, thought about and prayed about. And it was even more in this period. And to be told, hey, I, I, the name of your child's already chosen. His name's going to be Jesus. It tells us his mission. In Matthew 1, verse 21, uh, we read um, in, in Gabriel's address to Joseph, the reason why he shall be called Jesus It's because, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus, Old Testament version, would be Joshua, Yehoshua, Yeshua. And it means God saves. God saves. This isn't a given. For God to come into a world that rebelled against him, how do we know that God was coming to save his people? He had promised to, and here he was, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace, coming to save his people. He will not only be that, but he is the truly great king, the son of the Most High and the line of David. His name will be called Great. Now, in the Old Testament, this word great is, we throw around great all the time. We throw around awesome all the time. Oh, he's awesome, that's awesome. The Bible doesn't throw around those words very much. But when it does, it usually refers to God. In fact, your children, or perhaps your grandchildren, they pray, God is great, God is good. Let us thank Him for His food. This reflects the language of Scripture. 1 Chronicles 16.25 For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And He is beheld in all above, uh, above all gods. Here is the great God coming into the world, who is the great King who will set His people free, who will bring true peace to a barren people, to an enslaved people, and enslaved people ultimately because of their sins. And he will be a king, but not just any king. He will sit on the throne of his father, David. Long, long ago, it been prophesied in 2 Samuel chapter 7 that, that David would always have an heir on his throne. And yet, uh, David's line had petered out in many ways. They, they had turned away from the Lord, and they'd gone into exile. And then when they came back in, in the 6th century and into the 5th, we find that they are under one set of foreign rulers to the next, even to the point of Jesus' birth. And yet here is the king who comes with the ability to set his people free because he can change people's hearts. He can save them from their sins. The true king of David who will sit on the throne forever. When we read that he is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, this is God's throne and this is David's throne. This is the throne of our God, man, our king, the Prince of Peace, Jesus. And his kingdom will never have an end. You know, we see a lot of flip-flop these days in, in, in Democrat and, and Republican, and Republican and Democrat, and Republican and Democrat, back and forth, back and forth. No one seems to stay in power. And I'm convinced both parties are better when neither one of them is in power. The, the reality is there's a flip-flop. No one's going to stay in power, and everybody's going to die at some point. But our true king, our true Messiah, his kingdom will never end. In order for there to be peace, there has to be a, a, a strong ruler, a strong king. 
And our King is God and He rules on behalf of His people to subdue His and our enemies and ultimately to subdue our rebellious hearts to Himself. And He isn't going to stop ever. And He's never going to give up His control. And that's important for our day-to-day lives, isn't it? That whatever we're facing, whatever we're facing today, God's in charge of that. He's in control of that. Everything. This too had been foretold. We've read it a couple times in our, in our service today. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government, the government, his, his exercise of his authority, his government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David... Do you see the reference here in our text? And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. This can only be true because he's not the son of Joseph, not according to the flesh. He's the son of God. He's the son of the Most High. It's a title, by the way, he's had even before his coming into the world. The second person of the Trinity, the son of God. God the Son. Was coming into the world to make all things right. Well, how will you respond to the King of Peace, the Prince of Peace, and He is in His coming? We, we see much in this text uh, from, from Mary's response, right? Think of all the ways Mary could have responded. In faith, she asks, How can this be since I have not known a man, since I am a virgin? She's a godly girl and she understands how these things work. And, and she knows this, 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 is, this, this isn't working. But we know this is a, a question out of faith rather than doubt. Because Zechariah asked something somewhat similar last week. And the angel immediately knew that he doubted. He did not have faith. Mary was just trying to figure out the particulars. And so the angel says that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and will overshadow you. And you will conceive. And what does Mary say? She doesn't ask for more particulars. She doesn't have any more objections. Verse 38, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What was her response? It was submission to the king. It was submission to the king. There can be no peace without submission to the king. The King has come to bring peace between us and God and to give us eternal life forever. There can be no peace unless we submit to Him. Have you submitted to this Lord? He is Lord. Have you submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ? Let us never divorce Christmas from Easter. That Christ came into the world not so that we can give really cool presents. Or to sing really fun songs. These are good things. He came to die. And to pay the price of the sins of his people. So that we might be reconciled. We might be brought to him. We might be forgiven of our sins and given eternal life. My friends, have you done this? If not, may Advent 2017 be the season of your conversion. If you'd like to know more about how you can submit to King Jesus and have Him as your Lord and Savior, and forgive you of your sins, find me, find an elder, find a deacon, and let's talk. All right? Let's pray. Our Prince of Peace, we thank You that You have come and that You have borne our sins, that we might have life and we might be brought to peace with You. 
Lord, for those in this room who don't know you, Lord, work in their hearts. Subdue them to yourself that they might know peace this year. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen.